0: entry requirement into <laughs> do you know what, and exactly and do you know what that does mo it breeds a performative because i'm not yes. like a performer of my identity so it's so funny when people are like rock oh, okay, here wow you can you can cook this or you can do." and i'm like uh, uh, that's basic you, yeah you say so being able to cook stew is not is, is the most basic standard we're setting yeah. ourselves for how we identify but okay I can cook okay fine I can cook stew or I can make powder jam or I can do this do you know what I mean but it, those things are so basic that when you're looking at it you're thinking wow now you, that's why there's a performance of culture and that's yeah. when, we, when we start performing our culture it, it, it creates this this thing of like this space in which sometimes we, oh, we do too.
1: You are listening to Colour Out The Box. Hello and welcome to Colour Out The Box podcast and as always this is Mo here for another week of creativity, life and exploring the culture. So, as always, you can find Colour Out The Box on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Do use the hashtag to join the conversation. So, as you know, I'm, every week I'm joined by a new guest. And this week I'm joined by Ronke Lawal. I hope I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> PR expert, extraordinaire and um, godmother of the Twitter timeline. That's, that's, how, <laughs> that's how I would describe her in my words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ronke, each week I always ask my guests a icebreaker question before mm-hmm. we get into things. So this week I'd like to ask you: um, What actor or actress would play you in a movie about your life?
0: Oh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, that's a really good question. I want to say there's a fun I, I I don't know. There's different phases, right? So yeah. we've got Viola Davis probably towards the end of my life. Oh, I like that. Well, no, no, she's not that old. Oh, no, Viola, aren't you beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> she
1: actually isn't that old.
0: <laughs> um, I really like uh, Bookie Baccaria, It's Bac- oh, like, oh, she's Baccarat. so
1: good. Rocks film. One of my favourite films of yeah, last year. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are a few. There's, there's quite a few in the middle. I've got to decide. I'd have to do a really good audition to decide. But Bookie's Bookie's phenomenal. Her energy, like she's she's just just anything to work on. Work, work with her would be fantastic. So yeah. So Viola and Bookie for now
1: okay i like that's a really good i think match up actually um it's funny i always i always ask these questions i never actually think of answers for myself but um yeah i'm just gonna steal your answers i
0: was gonna say who would you have who would you have playing you um oh i'm not sure
1: i'm not sure you know what i i'll actually have a think about this because actually there's some nigerian actresses that i think i would choose Okay. but oh, i just can't yeah, remember their names yeah, so yeah, yeah, i think yeah. i'll need to have a think do some research because there's definitely some talent Beverly out there. Is
0: Beverly? Beverly is um oh. Beverly Naya yeah 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 she's a good one
1: <laughs> Yep. there you go uh, maybe she can take the midsection of your yes. life <laughs> yeah. we're
0: getting it we're getting it
1: we're getting ready <laughs> so you have to get this ready just in case you never know and someone might be ready to give you that movie deal <laughs>
0: that's
1: hilarious (laughs) okay so let's get straight into the podcast okay so Ronke you are this is your first time on color out the box obviously so tell the listeners about yourself how would people that know you describe you
0: so people who know me describe me as uh, loud, vibrant, Ooh, loving, like lovable, uh, humorous, a lot of energy, but also quite sensitive. Um, and at times, I can be quite I can be quite rigid. Uh, but, but that's because I've been in business for so long and I've had yeah. to kind of tough it out. So that can make me a little bit sensitive to certain um, situations. But if we're talking about from a professional landscape. Um, from the from external perspective I'm known as a PR consultant I'm a business founder business owner I have a PR communications consultancy based in London working with creative enterprises small businesses and startups and I've been doing that for a very long time (laughs)
1: yes I've seen I've seen I've been on your website shout out your business actually
0: yeah, Ari Ariati PR. So Ariati PR is just it's an it's an, it's been an incredible journey. When I first started, I um, it's actually rebranded. So when I first started, it was called RSL. Management services it was quite a uh I don't know how to describe that name actually. I don't think about it, I know why I chose that name, but it was just I was trying to appear a certain way in the business community. Yeah. I, so I had to have this, this this strict name. Sounds very corporate, very, yeah, RSL, very boxy, boxy, um yeah. um blazer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't truly really it wasn't me. And it's so funny the importance of, of names, even in the business, yes. right? And when yeah. I rebranded to Ariatu PR, Ariatu is part of my middle name but you know it's Ah. still what it does is it it, it, it's part of me but it still removes me from the business when necessary right um and when I rebranded it gave me that opportunity that space to not only meditate on my business and where I wanted to see my business going but also just renew it was a renewal and the past few years have been fantastic area too is just I I I, I love it it can be stressful and it's very hard but um, I do, I do love it. I'm blessed. I'm
1: blessed. Ah, oh, I like it. Well, we'll definitely include your details in the podcast description, so if people are looking for your services, Thank They you. can reach out, right? Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, one of the reasons why I have been, I've actually wanted you on the podcast for a very long time, and it's one of those things I've been waiting for the pandect- pandemic to be over, <laughs> which is silly. Um, <laughs> Because there's like so many great people that I've been wanting to approach and record in person. But, you know, pandemic is, you know, doing its due, so <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but one of the reasons I wanted to um, have you on was actually just to talk about um, PR and press. And one of the things that I always think about, you know, when you see these like big kind of like crises or like scandals, whether it be like political or mm-hmm. corporate or in celebrity land, I'm always like, I is this the best way to like manage this issue? And <laughs> I, like, I always think like what what would you do in these kind of like situations? And has there ever been like I don't know, like um, you know, public situations that you thought, okay, if I was, you know, handling this, how would I manage it?
0: Always. I think people sometimes forget that the PR is is At its core, it's about reputation, right? Mm. So it's about managing those relationships and building trust and credibility towards, you know, the public, within that, you know, the the, the consumer base or the audiences that an organization or an individual is trying to reach. So what, what often happens is because a lot of times people focus on PR being about visibility. Yes. They forget that actually it's more to do with reputation and credibility. And less to do with visibility is great, right? But you can ultimately you can pay for advertising if you've got a budget. You can. We now have social media. We can find ways of being visible. PR is about making sure that even when even when very few things go wrong, but even when things go wrong, you deal with it quickly and it's just it moves on. Like people people can still trust the brand, right? Um, So yeah, there's been lots of there's been lots of times where I've seen organisations, individuals in the public eye. Just not handle things well for a number of reasons. You know, I think certain brands, as we know, they're not very inclusive and diverse. Certain individuals, especially the, high, the higher-ranking ones in the public eye, become so lost in their own source when it comes to flow. Mm. They don't necessarily listen to good advice or good counsel. Because I've seen, I've seen instances where um, PR professionals, publicists have tried to advise their clients and clients are just like, I know better than you. Do the right. thing they think they know better. And then ultimately the PR or PR agency, a, uh, consultant, publicist, actually was right all along. Um, but yeah, I've seen it a lot and it fascinates me because I think there's, it's, 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 there's this misunderstanding because people always say any publicity is good publicity, right? All, all, all PR is yeah. good PR. And actually, if you look at some of the largest organisations in the world, the big corporates they spend a lot of money firefighting so that any critical kind of consume, potential consumer crisis does not reach the masses. Because if it reaches the masses, that's going to cause not only issues with their stock prices, but it's going to cause mistrust with their staff. So there's there's, there's entire teams and agencies that work on ensuring that crises don't go don't go visible or get into the press in the way people <laughs> think it it, it can. <laughs>
1: Because I always think, like, say, like, with celebrities, like, something will happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, sometimes they, like, really, like, you know, um, you know, bed down, like, dig down on it. Like, they, you know, I'm going to die on this hill only to, like, later release a statement. Or (laughs) they rush to release a statement. And sometimes I'm just like, oh, like, maybe it would have been better not to say anything.
0: Right. So, you know, like,
1: Sometimes the statement is just so kind of like not just not there. <laughs> they end up just digging the hole deeper. <laughs> oh, no. and, and I always wonder like what is going on in the background? Like, you know, like
0: what is going on? Well, what's going on is, as I described, the human ego, we really underestimate the power of the human ego. And especially when you're in a position of ultimate power or influence, there's there's a there's a point in which people just because they've had so many sycophants around them they they believe their talent and their skill has got them to where they are or you know as a, you know there's certain startup founders for example who become billionaires or millionaires overnight and so they feel like their idea got them to where they are so obviously they know right they're the ultimate yeah. you know truth sayer <laughs> so, so even if they hire teams or they hire individuals to help them ultimately you still always believe that they know best and actually you just described the perfect scenarios because they're not listening or, or pay or humbling themselves i always say you don't have to be modest about your skill or your talent you could be the best like you can absolutely say i'm the best at what i do or my business is the best at what it does right but there's yeah. times you have to still humble yourself mm. <laughs> <and> say, actually <laughs> i am wrong because we're all we're all humans even you know companies are run by human beings mistakes happen you have to say actually uh, we did something wrong and pay attention and, and and more often than not the ego or this the idea or this desire this unquenchable desire to always be right like human beings just love you have to be right even yes we fat. do
1: i mean i'm <laughs> right most of the time but yeah
0: <laughs> so this is it and this is why you see that that those kind of situations where there's even a rush to release a statement or the statement's poorly worded or it, it, they take slightly too long. It's it's all about, and that's why you have to hire good people around you, good team, good yeah. Council.
1: Have there been any like recent examples where you're just like, ah, i i could have I could have managed that better, or I could have advised them better.
0: Oh, I'm trying to think of it from a business sense. Business sense, I can't not because there's so, you know what. Sometimes there's so many that after a while you have to kind of you digest yes. and then you kind of move on because otherwise, yeah. You you be consumed by. I mean, the most recent one are the allegations against um, Noel Clark, of course, yeah. which we take very seriously and um, ultimately stand by each and every wo- woman who uh, experienced what she experienced, or you know any woman who's triggered by those allegations. I think reading the report, reading the Guardian report, the messaging you could you could you could you could definitely see that. The focus was on legality. So he, you know, from the Guardian report that broke the story and the allegations, we saw a lot about the law and his legal team. Right? The mm-hmm. messaging came across to me from a PR and comms perspective as highly insensitive. Especially towards the end of the piece. So, any of your your listeners who, who who've not yet had a chance to read the piece, try, it's a long one, but read the piece. You can you can just see there has not been any sensitivity training in the communications there right yeah. we're not even talking about whether this is a a, a court of, you know we know that the um, the court of law will have to deal with those allegations if, if should it go to court right that's one thing his legal team obviously has to deal with that. that's one thing but there's the messaging the way mm. in which you you honor the the pe- your audiences because ultimately mo regardless of if he he he's still going to stand by his statement, right? But he should still consider the fact that he's got an audience of men and women who have been abused, bullied, harassed, yeah. who are reading his response, his reaction, and there's going to be something in his wording they're going to think, hang on a minute, whether he did it or he didn't, according to his words, the way he's he's handling this is just... He's communicating of it was really poor. So if I were his publicist and, and i think he's one of his publicists was referenced in that piece right. i would have handled it very very differently um and i would have been very conscious of the fact that he should have been a lot more sensitive in the fact that he's he 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 has a, a place in our society in our communities and his wording and messaging just came off wrong to me though yeah it just came off wrong
1: and just to give a bit of context to just to anyone that is not aware of like the news so no Clark. he recently there was um allegations made by i think 20 women um and the allegations range from um um, sexual harassment to to bullying um and there was a um expose piece in the guardian that basically detailed all of that um and this follows just i don't know literally a couple of weeks after him being awarded um a bafta i think for Mm um contribution to film so Mm -hmm. BAFTA also were made aware of the issue Mm -hmm. and um have since um backtracked and um suspended his award I think um but yeah that that was that was it really um but even the baptism um, response was for me questionable because mm. um, they were aware so when you're talking about messaging and um and just tone and mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. sensitive yeah. i i felt they, they their response lacked that
0: as well when i was reading it absolutely agree i felt like I, I, I suppose because they, according to the report, they'd, they'd been made aware. They admitted they'd been made aware. It was there was a rush to compile some kind of a statement. And as we're yeah. seeing, different statements are coming out. So even today, a drama school also issued a statement. Right. With, um, if you, yeah, the statement because he he uh, Noel was a was an, an advisor on the. He wasn't a board member, I don't think, but he was an advisor. And so they also issued a statement. And in that statement, as well. If you read that statement, whilst they were very honest, they mm. left themselves open to even more questions. And I just feel like there's just a way of doing things and a communications and PR professional who knows what they're doing that, that looks for more, to, more who cares more about, you know, maintaining that credibility and that reputation and, and, and caring about the audiences than just the, the visibility of the client. That would have been caught, cool. that would have been... You know, that would have been addressed. Like, the BAFTA statement just was You're right, it wasn't very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't very good. So, yeah, you know, let's see how that unfolds. I really... You know, again, my thoughts are really with all of the survivors of, of that. Of, definitely.
1: Of the, of the. Definitely. And, you know, it. I think it goes about saying, but I'll say it anyway, you know... Um, you know, just genuine support to, you know, everyone that's been affected in this, and especially the victims that have shared their story as well. Um, and we'll just have to just see how this continues to to unfold. Absolutely. Um One of the things that I do always think about is, um, again, staying with, um, you know, visible, like, people and celebrities. When old tweets come up mm. and you know, it's, you know, it's, it could be like, I don't know, homophobic, racist, Mm -hmm. you know, choose, choose a a ism. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And just sometimes the how people react to that, like, is, is part of your role sometimes like looking at, okay, you know what they've, um, what the brand or the or the person has done previously. Like, how do you normally approach that kind yeah. of situation?
0: So, <clears throat> unless you know, unless a member of the team from an or like major organization steals a password and starts to tweet, it's rare that it happens for major corporates or organ- yeah. Although sometimes you'd be surprised. Sometimes, especially small business owners, small business owners sometimes use their business account. I always say you separate your accounts. Some business owners, you can see from the tone of responses, it's a person, like a person who's not trained in any kind of customer service who's responding to certain tweets, right? I
1: think I saw that even with one of these like smaller brands where somebody tweeted about an uh, item like of clothing that they had bought. And there was the, you could tell it was the business owner that was like responding through yeah. the brand account. And it was this kind of like, this is not the kind of tone that you would expect from a right. corporate. Like, you know, basically she was basically saying like, you know, I don't know, like you can go elsewhere or I don't know, it just the vibe I wasn't, I wasn't getting customer service vibe. I wasn't getting the customer's always right vibe, you know. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> We recognise. We all know that the customer is not always necessarily right, but there is a there is a way. You have to still treat the customer with a certain level of respect. So you're not getting even more. You're going to turn even a basic tweet into a crisis, right? So for for that, I always you know it amuses me when I see stuff like that because I'm like, come on, you know, just (laughs) separate the two. And even if you as a founder tweets on your own personal account, that's you to address that. But don't cause Issues of your whole business brand and name because you're not capable of separating the two, and making a distinction. Now, for individuals, I always say I've, I've always said this as much as possible. If you can remember your tweets, it's difficult because some people just yeah. tweet recklessly. I would have. I always say try and do it and audit and delete. Especially if look, we grow and we change. We do genuinely grow and we change. When yeah. you you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So sometimes when you're younger, you've grown up in certain environments, certain communities, certain ways of thinking. You thought were right back then. You know, you are not going to say, "Oh, it's, no, it's good." It's, no, actually, let's all be honest. Wherever we are in our community, certain ways of thinking are validated, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. So, as you grow, though, it's your responsibility as you grow up to assess and and look at yourself and look at what you're sharing and the message you're you're sharing on your social media platforms. Hopefully, you grow undertake some unlearning and learning and recognize actually you were in the wrong all those thoughts or ideologies were just off and so if you were tweeting around that time when you had those thoughts and ideologies i'd definitely say do a quick you know clean however we know in the world we're in so nothing is ever really truly deleted people are like screenshot everything yeah. for day Screen That's what you really twitter,
1: i just discovered recently twitter archive yeah so, exactly <laughs> So you have to go into your archive and delete the tweet as well, because it's still available on Twitter web or something. Someone was explaining it to me. Right. And this is the thing
0: that people forget. And, and, you know, there's there's people who will keep, hold on to tweets, screenshot, especially if you're in an industry where there's a possibility that you might become a public figure. So if you're in an industry like, uh, you know, a sexy industry, like music or film or creative arts, people have the propensity, if they're following your career So just take screenshots just to keep it for record, especially if it's something offensive, right? Yeah. Um so I'd say if you can clear it out, if you if if it's too late, you have to own. You have to own it. And you also have to own it with the truth of like saying it the thing as it is. So whatever that thing that it is, if you say, look, I I tweeted something that was highly offensive, and at that time. Whether you you know you might have actually believed and you were ashamed, like sometimes just be, be really just brutally honest. You're ashamed in yourself in yourself, but you, you you may well have believed it. But because you you now see that a lot of the harm that your words could have done to certain communities, like just be honest and recognise your privilege. Because a lot of apologies, or especially when it comes to any of the isms, right? A lot of the apologies come from a place of defensiveness. And it yeah. comes from a place of like, actually, I recognise my privilege and I was using my privilege, whatever that privilege might be, to to assert, a, um, a, even if it was just a little bit of power over a marginalised group, right? Even in our own communities, because we've got marginalised groups in our own, commu- even within marginalised groups. Does that make sense? Like- yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, I think
1: of like um, dark-skinned black girls. Yeah, exactly they seem to be the target of hate tweets from that someone told me it's like 2012 2011 era where people were just tweeting the most horrible and reckless things um and that was and also what was really sad was that a lot of that rhetoric was coming from within our black community
0: mad so that
1: so i completely understand what you're saying there in terms of like you're in a marginalized group already, but you're attacking, we're attacking our own. Right, right. And I, and I, I found where people's old tweets have come up and I always just think like you were saying, just own it, say you was wrong and apologize to the group or the people that you offended. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And I'm and, not. Afraid, and not say if I, you know, things like if I. If I send an <laughs> <on> apology. <laughs> what? No, no, you did. Like you did, and you. And yeah. it's also not up to you to decide a timeline for forgiveness. Yes. So a good, you know, good apology. I've seen some good apologies. I mean, I've, I've observed some good apologies. And so for example, Stormzy's apology for some some of the things he's messaged right on the in right. the past. Um. He he was very transparent. and He owned it. And I think his, the reaction for the most part to his apology to some certain things was accepted really well. And if you if you compare that, for example, to someone like Kevin Hart, that wasn't, because of the way in which- It's Kevin very defensive. Still, yeah,
1: this is the thing. Very defensive. and it's, And I always feel like when you are the person that's doing the harm, whether you did the harm with intention or whether oh. it was a mistake, you know i always say like if you knock me over with my with your car you know whether you meant it or not whether it was the younger version of you you yeah. still knocks me over just yeah. apologize
0: <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely agree and it's a, and it's a and that's a that should be a basic kind of human a level of human understanding like just understand that that doesn't you know it doesn't require much to understand but i go back to what i said earlier in terms of the human ego it's a, it's a hell of a beast
1: yeah it must be tough like having because it's so funny because if you think about when you go to the doctors in the most part you know you assume that you you're trusting the doctors like judgment assessment but i feel you work in an industry where people have an opinion even though they're not the expert on how you do something. <laughs> so you're talking to someone that's got like over 10 years, you're like, I've got over 10 years experience, trust me on this, but you're talking to someone that's like, no, I think I'm gonna do this. Yes! Oh, no!
0: <laughs> wow. And that's one of the reasons why in our industry there's a lot of burnout in the PR, in PR and yeah. content sector. Burnout is real. Um, you know mental mental health awareness and self-care is so paramount so important in PR because that's exactly yeah. it's one of those industries it's one of those industries you can't you know you can't you can't touch it it's so there's certain things that you have to do but people don't always see it immediately they don't see the the, the impact immediately um like you would like to say with a doctor because the doctor immediately heals right or, or at least works towards healing a lawyer can draft something and we know this is done but with our industry you're absolutely right that's one of the things and sometimes I always make this joke like sometimes people will be hiring a publicist or a PR agency you're paying money just to ignore the advice (laughs) it's it's
1: literally it's like going to the doctor and doctor saying oh you know you're you're gonna need I don't know (laughs) some kind of medication and been like no I'm good but you know here's the here's right. the cost
0: right. the dentist, imagine if the dentist said you know your tooth is rotting it's falling out you're like no I can I can figure it out myself yeah like, oh. don't worry <laughs> <laughs> I'll be good
1: then coming back later I'll be like look it's gotten worse I need yeah. to sort this out <laughs>
0: I can't eat, I'm swaggering. oh god, that's funny, but that's, I'm glad you picked that up, because not many people do, and I really appreciate that, because it just gives me that hope that some people are starting to understand the challenges that we face sometimes within our industry. I
1: just, I always just feel like, especially like when a celebrity is like making, or even a brand, where they're making a statement about something, and I'm just like, Oh, I wonder if their um press person like advised them or their publicist person advised them to do this. Like it just doesn't it feels like something they've decided to do. And you can tell when the tone changes and it's so you know it's so much better. I'm like, "Oh, okay. Someone yeah. stepped in. Yeah. Someone told it. Someone logged them out their Twitter account. It's good. Great." <laughs> I love it. (laughs)
0: That's funny and so true, so accurate.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's move on. So one thing I wanted to also talk about is, so our, you know, our favourite actor, um, Daniel Kaluuya, Mm -hmm. won Best Supporting Actor for... His portrayal um, of Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm -hmm. So many publications have been reporting that he is the first Black British um, person um, to Mm -hmm. win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. However, there was an article that I actually saw you tweet Mm because, you know, I'd be snooping on the timeline. From a publication called Quartz Africa, mm-hmm. and they actually talked about the debate of um, whether Ugandans can claim it as a success for them.
0: Right,
1: gosh, yeah. As Uganda is yeah. his home country or where his parents are from, mm-hmm. and it brought up this whole kind of like topic of um, diaspora identity. Mm. And it's something that I've been having the conversation a lot with my friends that are based here and also like my family based home in terms of like, you know, how can can I identify? So I'm Nigerian. Can I identify as Nigerian? Mm-hmm. Or is this new thing of am I Nigerian by descent? Which is something that I had never really even thought about. Oh,
0: I never even thought about
1: that. Yeah, like, I'm just like, I'm Nigerian. Like, what, what's going on? So... Let's start on the census. What do you put yourself down as?
0: Um, what is a home? What the thing is, is it, I think it isn't it? Is it black British African or something? Yeah, so yeah, because yeah, I, I would describe myself black British Nigerian, but obviously, because they said that black British African, so I, I think I also include I let you include the, the country. I think. I think, I think so. No, then- I think you could put um, black.
1: British of African descent, or something like that.
0: Yeah, I feel like I remember them. Se- there was a space where you could also specify the country. I yeah, feel like there was a space. So I, if that, if that's the case, I definitely would have put Nigerian. Definitely would have put Nigerian. Niger- you know, I, I'm 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 British Nigerian, Nigerian British, Black British Nigerian. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't I can't I can't identify solely as British. Absolutely not. Yeah. I can't identify solely as Nigerian purely because there are some gaps there in the sense of, obviously, I was born and bred here. Whilst yeah. I went back to Nigeria frequently, my experience is very different from my Nigerian relatives who who live and who've who grown up in Nigeria. But there are still a, a overlaps. There's still overlaps. And because yeah. of the way we grew up and the way in which the world works, so food, media, entertainment, culturally in the diaspora... I can't, de- absolutely cannot deny my, like, my Nigerian heritage at all. I just can't. It's just, it doesn't even make me comfortable. And I can't, you know, I make, it's not a joke. It's a joke with underly, underbedded, in tr- embedded in truth that I can't allow the colonizer, they've already taken so much away from my people. I can't allow them to take away my identity, right? So I can't call myself just British just like that.
1: <laughs> See, even for me to call myself British, I prefer to have the black British oh, yeah, prefix yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. at the front kind of Absolutely. thing. And and I've actually recently become quite proud of that um label because yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy like that black British community. So like when I think about like living in London, like I have friends that are Ugandan, from Zimbabwe, from you know, Ghana, from all parts of like Africa, the mm-hmm. Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, South America and I think like it's because of living in the UK that I have access to meet those different mm-hmm. types of people mm-hmm. and we have a very specific subculture of black Britishness if that makes mm-hmm. sense so it's, it's a combination black. of all those different cultures so like the African culture Caribbean culture mm-hmm. um, 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 Amer- um American culture all kind of like molded into mm-hmm. one to mm-hmm. make this very specific like black britishness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but then i'm still like holding on to like my Nigerianness, if that makes sense
0: yeah and it's a safety thing though it's a it's it's, we have to for me anyway i can only speak for myself i i have to i safety comfort you know even i you know i've had some i've not always felt safe in my community so i've been often like i don't even know if the word marginalized is the right word but I've often been, you know, dismissed, even in the African diaspora in, in the UK. Um, I've also been dismissed because of just, you know, you're, you're not Nigerian enough or... Yeah. Um, yeah, there's certain things, there's certain, you know, little elements of mockery sometimes, which people will pass off as, oh, you need a thick skin or it's a joke. But actually it hurts because, yeah. especially as a child, I'm fine now as an adult, um, but I think as a child of a team, when you're looking for community in a country that we know... We're not 100% safe. Like, I, 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 we can't deny that as black women, black people, black individuals in this country, we're not necessarily, we're not safe. And so, you know, you seek that comfort and safety sometimes in your own diaspora communities. And sometimes it's like, it's weird kind of like isolation if you're not yes. set away. But I love what you said about that pan-Africanism because you're right. I have I have friends who, who are cro- from across Africa and across the Caribbean, and I love that because yeah. I feel like that's where. And you, you're right, that Black Britishness actually is also where the safety comes in because sometimes with identity, people love to police, right? People love exactly. to police identity. People you're not black
1: to... enough. You're not African yeah. enough. You're not. You know, yeah. it's it's like,
0: but I am, so I can't right. like, right. I can't right. be any right. less. <laughs> like, they will police. They will police our Nigerian and uh Nigerian uh, like i um, you know, from, from being from the Yoruba tribe, people will police my Yoruba like how much do you know? Do you eat the food? Can you cook the Do you do the good? And it's like, uh uh-uh, uh, like
1: chill. No, oh, that's that's the it's almost like it's a test of like, yes. okay, do you do you speak the language? Do you cook the foods? How many oh. times have you been there? Do you go there often?
0: I'm just uh, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there and like an so, entry requirement into and you know what, and- <laughs> Exactly, and do you know what that does, Mo. It breeds a performative because I'm not yes. a performer of my identity. So it's so funny when people are like, "Rocky, oh, okay, wow, you can you can cook this, or you can do." And I'm like, oh, that's basic. Yeah. You can't, so you, it, being able to cook stew is not is is the most basic standard we're setting yeah. ourselves for how we identify." But okay, I can cook. Okay, fine, I can cook stew, or I can make powdered jam, or I can do this. Do you know what I mean? But it, those things are so basic that when you're looking at it, you're thinking, "Wow, now that's why." There's a performance of culture. And that's yeah. when, we, when we start performing our culture, it, it, it creates this, this thing of, like, a, a, this space in which sometimes we we do too much. Like, you know, when it comes, like, mm. when people were doing each joke, so they're talking about, we make a joke about, okay, people say Africa's not a country, but really, even the way we speak about Africa in our own diasporan communities, sometimes we talk about Africa like it's a country because we're only really talking about four or five countries in Africa (laughs) Nigeria, Ghana, maybe South Africa sometimes (laughs) Ethiopia I'm even trying to think sometimes, I don't know, we we don't even give that scope within our (laughs) communities
1: but I, I, because there was a recent um, uh, backlash against um, Virgil Abloh because um, he um... (laughs) don't laugh (laughs) He um he um he incorporated um Louis Vuitton like print into a Kente cloth design.
0: <gasps> and
1: yeah. the and it was very split. Like some Ghanaians were very like, you know, great and there was a um a loud kind of like half that were very like against it. I remember being in a clubhouse, like listening, and okay. they were like, you know, how dare he and And one of the things that, like I said, that I heard is people saying he's not even Ghanaian. His parents are Ghanaian. He's of Ghanaian heritage. And when people say things like that, I think about like someone that's got like in their ancestry, like, you know, like someone that is from a particular place. So you claim, So I might be like, oh, my grandmother is from so and so. So I have that heritage or I'm from that, you know, Mm -hmm. know, descent, Mm -hmm. but not my parents, when you're first generation, I'm just like, I think you can still say that of you're you
0: Ghanaian, right? Of course you can. It doesn't even make it, for me, I, but look, I, th- that, that always makes me really, really uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't quite understand. And it, it worries me that in our communities, that's even, that's even a thing, but it is. And you're, you're right, it is very much a thing in terms of how we're allowed to define ourselves, especially those of us who are born outside of the continent. It, it, it it's 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 disturbing to me but then I'm very assured and self-assured. I don't really whatever people want to say they can say but I know who I am and, and what my purpose is. Yeah and even in instances like that because and, and see that's why I say it leads people to perform because ultimately Virgil he shouldn't he's got he's he's Ghanaian American right he should know like he should know who he is but then you do, when he does something like, okay, he's, he's got access to Louis Vuitton, so now he's going to, to almost pr- prove further that he's Ghanaian by force, he's doing this thing with the Kente cloth that is like, actually, you don't have to do that, though. Like, you don't, for I mean, me, that's how I read it. Yeah. I read it like, you're almost overcompensating to prove to right. the world I get what you mean. your identity, right? Yeah. Like. You don't have to do that. Like, we already know you're a high flyer, you're successful, you're, 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 a, you're a line of amazing people, you are who you are. You don't now have to say, create this special we're using LV and then just to prove something for me and you know what it all also aside from proving it to your community I do wonder sometimes if there's an element of proving it to proving it on behalf of white gays as well like yes there's a lot of performance there for the white gays I don't know I don't want to say too much but I don't know but it just makes me feel like, icky a bit
1: but I think sometimes like when for outsiders they're like oh but you're not you know you're not how I would expect you to be so it's almost kind of like are you expecting me to be a very specific, almost like how they envision what an African, let's just say, would be, kind of thing? And and even, but also as you mentioned, like sometimes for your family as well. Like um, you know, when I'm back home with my cousins, yeah, they 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 mock my accent if I mm. speak um Yoruba. They will mock how I'm saying it, and it did used to bother me, but mm. now I'm just like I just. I will I will say a whole Yoruba sentence in the most London accent. I don't care. This, <laughs> like, is. this is how you're going to get love, it from I me. Like, I remember that. being in a passport office um, in Ikeja, arguing <laughs> in,
0: <I laughs> in my proper like, UK no.
1: accent, because I'm like, you need to print my passport. <laughs> love
0: that. And you know what? And you said something that's actually kind of like, if we're going to get to a kind of a really real, I think there's a little bit of damaged done in the sense for for me personally from my experience I feel like the mockery got so bad that I stopped so it feels sometimes like my my tongue has been cut out because I love that you were able to address that and still just get over it I think at a younger age in my teens and early 20s when I was you know just speaking Europe and again you know Hackney accent London accent but the mockery. And the this like it was just it got to, and, and because it was other stuff as well. You know when you're 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 growing up in a in, in inner city London and there's a lot of other stuff. And so you're trying to just find community in your community. So even just something basic like speaking your your, your mother tongue and then people are still like just laughing at you and mocking you. I feel like I couldn't I couldn't quite get over it because I had other stuff too, like to deal yes. with. So I just I just stopped. So I feel like I wish I'd been more like you and just been like forget doesn't matter just keep going so at this stage now I can even though I can I I can understand it perfectly I just don't have it in me anymore like I feel like psychologically my tongue has been removed and I you know I and and it's a a shame I feel like it should come back maybe it will but it's a shame because I just let me just full
1: disclosure my Yoruba is terrible like (laughs)
0: like it is terrible
1: but But one of the things is It doesn't stop me from like trying, you know, and just saying like my mum laughs at me on a regular basis. Also my mum speaks um, her own dialect as well. So I mix like words and confuse people. So it's it's fine. I'm just like, you're gonna hear it. And I I find that once you relax, so even when I'm in Nigeria, my accent does slightly change just naturally yeah, whereas yeah, before yeah. i think i was forcing it right right so now
0: and you just want it, to think it just overthink it right it just yeah. it
1: naturally changes when i speak to my parents i do sound different um than when i'm just like you know like kicking it with my friends and everything. but yeah. before i felt like you said performative like you, i was trying so hard so oh. it sounded silly but now i just i just speak you know and if you're going to you're going to get that london water or you're gonna, you why might you get the water.
0: Me. I love it. I mean, and you know what? What you've just you've highlighted is is obviously you've got to get it. You've got to get your head around it, and that's why I say I don't I hope it's not too late for me. But my head, like my I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, you know what? Forget this. Like I'm not gonna get yeah. laughed at like, every single time I open my mouth. And it was sometimes people could be cruel. And you know what? I oh, something. so ah, cool. No, mo me. And I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit stubborn too. Me, I can't have people mocking me. Uh-uh, no, 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 no. no. But oh, no. What I no. I hear you. <laughs> You get over it in your own self. So I love your, your mindset. I love your attitude. But also finding a safe space where you can just relax and just have people just let you flow, just flow, yeah. just flow. That's what I needed. Maybe I'm going to start. I'm going to call some of my friends up and be like, you know what? You you guys, you need to... You need to yeah. <laughs> let yeah. me just talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I chat to my cousin. Shout out to Deji. like, And I listen to like different podcasts and stuff like that. And like I said, I... Once you decide that you're not performing or you're not trying to meet anyone's standards, so that includes like family, you just take that pressure off yourself and you just say whatever. And when they say things, I mock how they say vegetable.
0: So, anyway, no. move on. Oh. <laughs> that's the running joke with me and my mum. <laughs> oh, bless. See, that's when you get that you come together with that kindness element. Yeah. I like that. That's funny. That's fun. Yeah. That's
1: fun. Okay. So, moving on. Have you seen the BBC, new BBC show, Dreaming Whilst Black?
0: Have I seen it? Have I? Mo's even asking, have I seen it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You had me worried. I was just like, oh, she's not watched it. It's going to be an awkward conversation. Have I, have I seen, No, of course. It was on YouTube first. Last okay. Week. I've it on YouTube. I was bigging it up back in the day. Like, I love that show. So and you're like,
1: ahead of me because you've watched the U- the web series on YouTube. <laughs> I haven't. Oh, you must. It's just... So l- the BBC series, I was telling people, I was like, oh, wow, guys, have you seen this, like, new... Everyone's like, what, the YouTube series? So I was just like, oh, no. I've, <laughs> I've just watched the BBC first episode. <laughs> 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 the
0: BBC loves to claim things for their own... But yeah, it was a pilot on BBC. Loved it just oh man it's so much great black british talent in this country that just doesn't get the support and recognition that they deserve and i just hope i really hope it it gets it gets commissioned for more than just being a pilot because it's just a great great show
1: well just to give everybody a little bit of an overview um so i'll just pull it up so, Dreaming Whilst Black is a comedy series that follows a young but naive British Jamaican filmmaker called Quabner, which is a Ghanaian name, isn't it? Love it. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I pretty sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> As he struggles to navigate between his dreams um, and reality, it highlights the nuances of race and microaggressions in the workplace. So, yeah. So, I, re- I really like the show. I watched the pilot on BBC i hope they do commission it because one of the things that i really liked about it it's um a story that obviously talks about race but there's so much more Mm. to it um it's Mm. not just about that and you have you know um three lead um characters um two which are women darker skinned women as well Mm, um mm. And one of those women is the love interest as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was just like,
0: yes, this is this is what we need. This is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> Imagine though. Mo, no, it's 20 as, as we're recording, as we're doing this, it's 2021. Yeah. yeah. And we are still because I grew up I watching Desmond's um. Mm, me too. Was, yeah, like there were shows back in the day. It wasn't always perfect. Pretty British um broadcasting uh um, landscape has never been perfect, but at least there were some shows to some degree. Now we find ourselves almost like it's regressed.
1: And I just, I'm just like- Cause there was like the real McCoy. Um, I remember like they had like, is it- Brothers and brown sisters? Skirt? Skirt.
0: Brothers and sisters? Oh, brothers and
1: sisters. <laughs> uh, we're, we're showing our age. Let's let's
0: <laughs> Let's relax. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. Wow. And yeah, now we've got, we've got, we hopefully they commission it. Um, You know, we've always had, they've always, what they do is they do this weird thing of like, drip feed. So we had Enterprise by um, Coyote. Yeah, which
1: I absolutely loved. I thought it was, again, a really good comedy. And it wasn't something that was just centered on like race or the streets or whatever. But it was like the black experience, but... I don't know. It just, it just, it just felt very authentic and light and funny.
0: Loved it. It's like again, yeah. They drip feed these, these, these shows to us, and then don't know what it is. Well, like, we know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of remove it, and so now we're having to kind of. It's almost like it makes you, and, and you, it doesn't surprise us that what ends up happening is, is people end up leaving, right? So yeah. people end up going. Whether it's you know to the U.S., you, you, Hollywood is is a is an economy. It's it's a, it's a it's a it's it's a structural economy of film and TV. So it's no surprise that people are even not going to America to Hollywood to try and yeah. So like I them. think
1: of um, Damson Idris. So he's in Snowfall, one of the mm-hmm. biggest shows in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Yet he's barely at, known here. Um, it's, yeah. it's so strange. Like it, he's in this big, massive, like international, like, um, TV show. And here in the UK, he's not really that known. And then you have people like obviously, um, Daniel Kaluuya who just won his Oscar again in American production. And, you know, obviously the Americans, they get sometimes a bit angry that, you know, the black folks yeah. are stealing all the jobs, yeah. but it's because the opportunities are just so much more.
0: Um, abroad rather than here in the UK. But, this, but you know what you say, Yeah, and absolutely. The, the Opportunities, it's not even, there's no comparison in the sense of scale, right? Yes. There's a bigger market there's bigger, bigger market, there's bigger, there's just so much room and space. There's still a lot of challenges in the US, but it's a bigger market. But even here, if you think about it, if you ever spend some time just scrolling through TV in this country, you would just be like, sometimes I'll, I'll spot some shows, and I'm thinking to myself, they commissioned an eight to ten part show for this Person who I've, look, I personally never heard of the person. Yeah. But the one commission this person. And I'm like, who is this person? in this got a show. Or, you know, they'll give the same five presenters, for example, opportunities to host game shows, talk shows. Yeah. And it's like, let's even name them. Though...
1: Anthem Deck can't host everything. I'm sorry. Oh, it's getting on my nerves.
0: Rylan. <laughs> Rylan. And, R- Rylan, 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 and what's, his, what's the other guy? Keith Lem? Is it Keith Lem? I can't remember. There's, some, uh, there's a handful of them where it's just like, but they, 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 even though we're small, there is opportunity. You could at least give some one person an opportunity here and there. There's lots of different shows. There's a lot of different Definitely. shows in this country. And you just wonder sometimes, like, yeah. And it's intentional. It's intentional to kind of keep us in a certain, yeah. Keep the scarcity. Mentality. What happens when there's scarcity is it, make, it leads to desperation and fear. And then when there's desperation and fear, people kind of shrink we shrink yeah. in our communities and then you have to, it, its you got to figure out what you're going to do. What you're going to do is so you end up leaving or you end up staying and then you'll end up grateful, quote unquote, for crumbs, you know? Yeah. What,
1: what did you think of the recent, um, um, controversy around, I think it was the chief diversity officer at the um, BBC saying that, um, Idris Elba's um, character Lufa is not, is not, black or is not you know is not a representation of the black experience
0: this is an interesting one for me because i first of all we know and the writer is it's a white writer right so the the Mm. creator of the show and the writer of the right of the show is is white so i'm trying to recall the quote that, that there's a quote i feel like tony tony morrison spoke about in terms of how she writes a character but anyway in the grand scheme of things in the majority of like media or, or or writing when they're led by white writers they focus on their own experience they write for themselves yeah. and what they believe to be the experiences of their own communities within their you know white um in this case specifically white english experiences so they i i, I feel like he, he they wrote or he wrote that character based on himself or based on his own experience the white man right and they placed luther in there i've not watched the show so on the one hand i can i can argue that we know we're not monolithic absolutely yeah uh we can't how do we how do we even define the black experience because i'm conscious of the fact that my experience as as a as a british nigerian woman is going to be different from the experience of a british jamaican woman Mm. Or you know, uh, a, 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 somebody from a, a British Ghanaian woman, like just different experience. Even within, even though we're all born in the same country, we have different experiences. So even just that, there's an assumption there. Just because you know, Idris is a black man, he's supposed to be a certain way. That was a bit off for me. However, mm. I do understand. I do understand. There's an other nuance to it that. To have a black man in a show, and there's n- there's not even like a hint of like his identity outside of his space of work, is what I'm assuming that woman was trying, that the chief diversity officer was trying to say, right? I'm assuming not even it's not about the food or anything. It's just a hint of ah, unless this this black man has just completely just removed himself from every element of his community, which can happen. <laughs> we yeah. do a while. <laughs> we, we, like people we forget, especially in a country like the UK. There are a handful of, you know, people who just decided they want to remove themselves and move as far away from their community, yep. black community as possible, and try and integrate. We in won't
1: mention society. any names, but we know. I'm not going to,
0: exactly, I'm not going to, but it
1: happens. Insert but. redacted name, but yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> I was like, I'm not really entirely surprised because even in this here England, there are random <laughs> people just living in, you know, certain parts of this country who don't want anything to do with their identity uh, or their heritage, cultural or otherwise. So yeah, it's nuanced that like, discussion and it can't be, you know, resolved in one quick kind of fix all. But I could understand what she was saying in the sense of, unless he really just removed himself completely, there was just not even a sign of his community at all. Like he didn't even like have relatives, not even like barbershop, barbershop experience. Come on. <laughs> but
1: the only thing I would say, I, I got what she was saying, but I think... Lufa wasn't the best example. It
0: wasn't, that's it. it in the sense it
1: that that character doesn't really have any friends and... Um, see, this is it. <laughs> and it um. is about him, because I watch it, so oh. it is about him being like a detective and I don't know. So I guess if we did see more of like Lufa interacting with like just normal people, people which you don't <laughs> really see in the show... Then yes, I would have expected to, you know, a couple of black people to pop up and everything. Um, but I think one of the things I do like about the show is again, it's just not centered around race. race um, because I think sometimes like as um there's a pressure on like uh black creatives to create content that is about like social injustice or Absolutely. like you know or like um, racism and stuff like that. And sometimes I'm always, I'm like, I'm ready for that, you know, five-part series about, you know, some black people just having like relationship issues and going to work. I'm happy for that because that that is Friends, that is Sex in the City, that is all of these other things. That is just just living life. I'm I'm ready for that.
0: You know, and we saw that even though it, it wasn't, I wouldn't quite call it... Living life in a kind of always a pleasurable way, but I made a show you was a really good example of yeah that, of that creative scope where it's just just to be and in the other experiences that in, were in, integrated into that and that's it. So this is where exactly I agree with you mo in the sense of I wasn't entirely like on. I could understand perhaps if cause I hadn't watched it, but if I understand perhaps if he was out and about, but he's having you describe. If you describe, he's a loner. Then what is why are we now having to kind of over like yeah let it just be as it is and if Idris is happy yeah. to play that character you know he has some agency as well um, if Idris is happy to play that character in that role and you know what no there's lots of shows where um, white actors can play like it's about nothing it's literally just nothing yeah you know? it's like, <laughs> why not so and it doesn't mean anything about their their identity or whatever it's just them being yes. and existing. So yeah, I, I think it was a little bit off, but you're right. She wasn't the right, perhaps it wasn't the right example to use, and I like
1: yeah. that. That's what it was. Yeah, but I I got her point. I got her point. Um, one of the things I just wanted to mention is where I think who do get it right is um, Nollywood. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. and I'm talking about like diversity of characters, plot lines, different <laughs> kind of things, special effects. You know, <laughs> well, special effects. Depends which body when you're watching. All of it, and and even just even just like body positivity because like when I think of like different like especially like with like um, women like you know different women with like different shapes like you know Mm. full of figures, slim Mm. women, you get it all. You get all the wigs. I love it. So (laughs) that's one of the things that I do. I think. You know, maybe the, um, you know, UK and like American film industry should look to Nollywood to look for how, what diversity can sometimes look like. You're
0: you're (laughs) right. You're so funny you say that (laughs) because you have just described like growing up. My mum used to, she used to buy and rent videos of Nollywood. So we grew up, I've grown up watching Nollywood even before it was what it is today. Like proper just just Nollywood, just the storylines. I'll just be... Every weekend we'd be watching Nollywood back to back before we even had these Sky Channels where it's just on. Where actually I personally don't, they're not as good as they used to be. I try not to be a bit of a bar humbug, but they, they used to be, I feel like a little bit better. But you're absolutely right. One of the things, and this is why I'm so comfortable with myself and my identity and sometimes visual representation, because we always had that. And maybe that's, and that's exactly what you're saying in terms of, and what, and what I was saying in terms of our experiences as as, as, as British Nigerians is going to be different from other from groups because we see we could see ourselves more on yeah. you know on screen because we had nollywood and if we didn't have nollywood it might have been different but we had nollywood like if my parents if, if there was nothing on tv for us just put it you know put in nollywood or an american um uh, film yeah. because there were more black actors yeah. in american film so yeah i mean I, I you're right there's still a few issues sometimes we have to address in nollywood um, oh yeah, overall, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, more than a few. But overall, yeah. you're right. I think in terms of just at least to, for the for the most part, seeing ourselves Nollywood. Yeah, I wouldn't. I couldn't live in a world without Nollywood. Truly, truly. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: also, like, shout out to all of those content creators that are making those like web series. Like, um, what was I watching recently? Um, Skinny Girl in Transit. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it's called um, the Men's Club. Like, these are web series that are quite good quality, um, good storylines. And like I said, you just have, like, a variety of characters represented. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I I would recommend
1: anyone to go and watch some Nollywood. Yeah, yeah.
0: they might have a few issues. You know what? Sometimes (laughs) we watch Nollywood to to also just discuss and, and unpack. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it no. is yeah, sometimes <laughs> yes. it's, a, it's a it's a wild there's, ride. Sometimes there's there's a, there's a lot
1: of problematic things there as well. So yeah, just um... honestly,
0: like it's, there's a few things they really need to address um, urgently within the the, the, the Nollywood industry. But still, overall, if we're just to look, if we're to see it for what it is. Um, yeah. it, it, it's it's for entertainment purposes. Even though we shouldn't always give that a pass, it, it does the job for most for the most yeah, part.
1: Definitely. Okay, so let's um, go on to my favourite section which is highlight of the week. So, highlight of the week is anything you want to bring a spotlight to, to share with the um, audience, anything you want to shout out. Would you like me to go first? You
0: go first.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'll go first. So, my highlight of the week is a YouTube vlogger called Khadija. and I'm going to try her surname, Mbawi. So, she does video essays about various topics around like race, feminism, and colorism, intersectionality, but it's very easy, accessible, and a fun way. Um, I recently watched her two-part essay on Video Vixens from the early 2000s. So, you know, mm-hmm. think of like Big Pimpin <laughs> oh, wow. videos. So yeah. people like Melissa Ford, Buffy the Body. So she really breaks it down in terms of like the stereotypes, the tropes that were portrayed in those videos. Um, And it's just really interesting. And I, I always appreciate those content creators that are like sharing free content. She cites all of her sources as well. So you can literally go and do your own research. But as I said, she shares a lot of like um, kind of like sometimes complicated theory, but in like a pop culture kind of like context. So I will put a link in the podcast description. So I recommend everyone to go and have a look at her YouTube
0: channel. That sounds incredible. And now I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, why couldn't that be my highlight? My no, highlight no, go thing. for it. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think if we were to bring it all the way but my, my highlight of the week is just to, again, honour the survivors of anybody who's been through anything, you know, struggling, struggle. any struggle when it comes to abuse or bullying. It's important that their voices get honoured. So for me, that was really like their, their, their courage to step out. I feel like it's important to, to, to highlight that. And just the heroes, the everyday heroes like Jimmy, the young man who, um, who, who, went in to rescue a, a, a woman recently um, in April of 2021 um, who, who had fallen in or found herself in the Thames and he went in and he unfortunately passed away. So just honoring his name, it's always about, and it's, it's, there's a sadness, but also a sadness and glory at the same time. So, it's. It might sound strange to highlight that, but I just feel like it's really important to highlight that story. No, definitely. Just, it's incredible. His
1: story is something that I I constantly think about because mm-hmm. I think about in that moment, he just wanted to help. And, mm-hmm. you know, him just... Just that kind of, like, character of just, like, wanting to just help somebody. Yeah, um, we just... And, this, and yeah. I think
0: the reason it touched me and, and so much and probably touched so many is just how pure that is and how you, you just yes. want that to be you want that to be the standard for for people <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. like you just want that you know it, it shouldn't be, it's not even that like it's surprising it's just like you want everyone just to it, it's such a shame the world would be such a lovely place if we had more Jimmys. and I just yeah. wish we, we we had that in our world more often than not but yeah. we thank god for his life and you know may he rest in peace and just cover of comfort and love around his family and friends so yeah I just want to highlight yeah highlight like
1: and, I, and I definitely I just think about his family because obviously they're so proud of him for doing that in that moment but mm. they also they lost their 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 son their brothers their friends yeah. so yeah, yeah. I that's that's it, it just still it still bothers me that he lost his life but yeah mm. end of the podcast thank you for recording with me apologies for the technical issues at the beginning
0: that's really fine
1: we got there in the end end. yeah we
0: got there in the end where can the good
1: people find you
0: so you can find me you can google me You can Google me. Um, so Ronkelawell is wh- my eponymous website. Ariatupr.com is my business website. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just search Ronkelawell and I'm just there. And I'm yeah, I'm I'm available to follow. But you don't, you know, don't don't message me all the time. <laughs> you know I don't, what? You don't all the time.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna recommend people to to follow you because <laughs> I'm not gonna lie you you do the best netflix recommendations <laughs> <laughs> you have the best reaction videos um to like tweets as well i'm always just like okay i need to i need to bookmark this and then <laughs> <you> think um- <laughs> and also I enjoy your commentary on like you know politics and like you know you you bring also like a lot of interesting articles to the timeline as well so I don't normally say that about um people but I would definitely recommend following you
0: that touches my heart. That's good, you know. I like that. I'm just trying to. I try and create create a space that yeah. myself and my followers can just enjoy, learn from, engage with. And I'm glad. I'm glad it's yeah. getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: If you need to build up your like library of like funny Nollywood reaction videos, follow Ronke. It's, it's all there. <laughs> so. Thank you. As always, you can find Colour Out the Box on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have any feedback about today's episode, do use the hashtag um, color out the box to join the conversation. Um, this week's homework, there's always homework, is to rate and review your favourite podcast um a lot of us podcasters are doing this we're not making any money it's actually costing us money but it's a great way to show a little bit of love and i promise you it makes everyone's day um obviously rating review color out the box so if you're listening on apple Podcasts, just scroll down hit the obviously five star rating and just do a little comment about what you think about the podcast it will be so appreciated and if I do get some new reviews, I'll happily read them out on the podcast. Mm. Okay, so we've come to the end. Until next time, bye. Say bye, Ronke. Okay? Bye. <laughs>
0: I was gone already. <laughs> bye, everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's it. So we've recorded.